0: gives you two choices when it throws everything at you. You can let it swallow you whole or you take those lemons. And as the old saying goes, you turn it into sweet, delicious lemonade. And that's exactly what this podcast is all about. Welcome to Lemonade. I'm your host, Elizabeth O'Neill, and I'll be sharing the incredible stories from inspiring people who've turned the hardest times in their life, their lemons, into lemonade. Because let's be real, we all want to know how they did it, the lessons they learnt, and what life is like sipping the on the other side. Let's get juicing. Hey guys, and welcome to this week's episode of the Midweek Squeeze. I hope you've had a wonderful week so far. I am coming to you with a few things this week. Um, firstly, I want to discuss my experience over the weekend with a breathwork workshop, which is called the O2 Awakening. And I thought it'd be a good thing to share with you guys because I've found it as an incredibly healing tool for me and perhaps next time they're in town you might want to check it out as well. It's called the O2 Awakening Experience and it is a form of breath work which is a form of meditation Uh, and how it works essentially is you use your breath to enter an altered state of consciousness and then it's through that that you can unlock emotions, traumas and energy that is I guess. You could put it bubbling away in your subconscious, and that allows you to really feel it and heal it and let it go. And I've done it three times now. I've, I did one session with them in 2018, one in 2019, and the one just now. And each time, it's had a profound impact on my life. And the safe is so the space is so safe, and you learn so much about yourself, and you just you experience this incredible feeling and sensation and this deep knowing in a room of people who are all there to do the same thing so I if you are working through stuff or even if you just want to I guess take your develop self-development to that next level I can't recommend it enough I'll put the link to it in the show notes um because i just think everyone should do something like this it's just yeah the impact it can have on your life and and you know what it was really it was really interesting actually um you know some of the people there were saying that they're cynics they're people that don't Usually believe in things like this but it has worked wonders in their life as well so you don't have to be super spiritual to go um but it is just awesome uh and they the 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 trio that that run the workshops they tour around the world and they come to australia maybe once or twice a year so i'm sure you can catch them if they i think they said they're going to come back again towards the end of the year so keep an eye out for that I've got a question here I am answering this week from listener Manth Ann, and I hope I've said that correctly. And her question is, how do you trust again in the dating world? And that is such an excellent question. Thank you for sending this in. I get asked this quite a bit. I think I'm just a magnet for people that have had their heart broken and need advice, which is absolutely fine. If you've had your heart broken or perhaps you've suffered a betrayal, no doubt your trust in not only other people but also in yourself is shattered and I think that's what we forget in this conversation a lot of the time the focus is on what the other person has done to us which is a big part of the chat but it is also the trust in ourselves and the faith we had in ourselves that is broken but as Moni Barry said in our episode together and if you haven't listened to that I suggest going and listen to the listening to this ASAP is that it's the illusion of our relationship story, we've sold ourselves that is broken. The fantasy that is broken, the expectation that our life was going a certain way, that's what's broken. And I think that sums up exactly how it feels. It takes a while to get over. You don't have, you don't just have a future ripped away from you and then say, oh, well, all good. No, you have to mourn and you have to grieve and you have to process the different path of your life has taken and the pain that you could still be feeling. It took me a really long time, well, maybe two and a half years to get over the feeling of how could I not have known? What is wrong with me? why didn't I know? Obviously, I have no idea of reality and what's going on. My trust in myself was in pieces. And I just kept saying, I should have known better. I should have acted sooner. And and that all culminated in a belief that obviously I myself can't be trusted in relationships. And that was the story I was telling myself. And I found all examples to validate my my story. And that's what we do. We find, we sell ourselves a story and we work, we find all different ways to prove that that our story is true. But what I really needed was time to work on myself and ask myself a couple of questions. I really delve deep into who I was in my relationship that I attracted someone into my life like my ex and what red flags did I ignore what do I want to take into my next relationship and what did I learn how did the experience shape my experience of love and what do I want in my next relationship I realize I just said that twice anyway that's fine (laughs) um but these are the questions. It's about taking responsibility for your part in the story. It's not doesn't mean if you were cheated on or you had your heart broken that you necessarily did something wrong. Doing something wrong and taking responsibility are two separate things. I don't necessarily think I did something wrong and I definitely didn't deserve what happened, but I do have to take responsibility of my part in the story and how I let slide and my behavior and how I let, I guess, my self-worth be chipped down to the width of, the, of, of a toothpick. We let ourselves, that happen to ourselves. Someone doesn't make that happen to us. So that's a really, really difficult point to get over because it can be really painful to look at our own actions and our own behavior Especially when we really want to stick to the story, we absolutely did nothing wrong. We're a hundred percent right, and the other person is one hundred percent wrong. So, in essence, it does take time to not only get over what happened, but to learn to trust yourself again and to believe again in yourself and to love yourself. That's what took me a while, and it was all doing all that soul searching and asking those questions that. I eventually was able to kind of start from the ground up, build the bricks to try and get to the foundations to get where I am now. So if you're in a place where you don't trust men or the opposite sex or or women and you don't trust, you love yourself enough to walk away from something that isn't quite right for you, then You're just not ready to date, plain and simple. We don't want to spill our mess all over someone else and we shouldn't be entering relationships until we are healed because I don't think it's fair on the other person and it's certainly not fair on you. And trust me, that comes from experience. That's exactly what I did and I learned it's not another person's job to fix us or make us trust again because what happens when that person leaves or the relationship naturally disintegrates well you realize that you're using another person to prop you up and you have no skills yourself and yes I'm speaking from experience again we have to work on our trust in ourselves and trust in the universe to the point that we can fill that cup up ourselves Right now, I'm at a stage where I don't worry about trusting again because I trust myself enough to know that I can close the door on anything that doesn't feel right and I'll be okay. I don't need someone else. So it's all about healing that part of you that feels like it doesn't trust. And once you've done that and once you're at that stage where you start I guess you when you stop seeking somebody else to take away pain or to escape pain or to make yourself feel better and you realize that you're just filling your own cup yourself I think that's when you know that you're ready to date again and that doesn't mean you know I think with me with my relationships the one I was in after my um, ex-fiance and any future ones I will be in I am going to be very open about what I've experienced and there, there probably will be times that there will be triggers or things will take me back but that's not that person's fault to heal that in me and that's not that person's fault to convince me that they are to be trusted that will be up to me to do that work myself because obviously there may be still little areas that may need it. A little bit of attention or healing. And I hope that makes sense. So I hope that question helped. I love answering these questions. So I'll open up the question and answer box on Instagram. Uh, usually I do it on a Monday or a Tuesday. Uh, I'll do that next week. So um, please keep sending them through. I wanted to dedicate a large portion of this midweek squeeze to co-parenting because I get so many questions on it on how I do it and how it works for me and how to make it work for other people. So I thought it'd be good to dedicate, yeah, the majority of this chat to that topic. If you're not if you're not in a co-parenting situation, you're probably still going to learn a lot about navigating a really a communicative relationship with the person that you could be raising a child with anyway. So it's always helpful. I think there's always something for us to learn through looking at the other ways that people parent. So this I'm going to call the 10 commandments of co-parenting. And this is what I stick to, uh, my co-parent and I stick to, and this really helps us. It's not like we've got this written agreement on our fridges or anything, but this is the way that we live our lives and the way that we parent our son. And it seems to work really well for us. And when I look at other co-parenting situations that work really well, these are the kinds of things that they do too. So the first first point is you're a team whether you like it or not and that doesn't mean that you have to like one another because not always we don't always like the other co-parent but you do have to be allies you're raising a living breathing thinking feeling being and there's just literally no greater responsibility than that every big decision should be in my opinion a collaborative effort because when you work together as a team you foster a really safe nurturing and loving environment Where you make your children feel safe to come to both their mum and their dad, and they know that no matter where they go, they're going to be valued. I have friends whose parents have split acrimoniously, and they often, and they've told me before that. Firstly, they say, I wish my parents were like what you and your um, ex are like. And then they tell me, usually tell me examples of what it was like for them. And I've had some tell me about how they used to get really sick in their stomach when a school event was coming up and they develop anxiety because they knew what was going to unfold. They're fearful of what was going to happen when their parents saw one another. And that just broke my heart to think of my son experiencing something similar. The next point is communicate There is nothing more crucial to a healthy co-parenting relationship than talking about anything and everything to do with your children. Keeping secrets from one another is always a bad idea and it could be because it's always going to come out and you might think you're getting away with it when the child is young, but they grow up. And they start speaking and they start telling mum what dad said and dad what mum said and then they see how their mum or dad reacted and realise they've done a wrong thing and then they feel like they've done the wrong thing and they watch mum and dad blow up and what that creates is a really unsafe space for them to feel like they can move between their two parents and talk and communicate. And, you know, sometimes you might hear things that might make you upset but don't react in that moment. Don't take it out on your child. They don't really realize what they're doing make sure that you're communicating with your co parent so that you know you're probably going to avoid those situations when your child comes to you and says oh this has happened at daddy's house or this this is what he said you probably already know that anyway for us it's when Ollie, when my son is unwell or hurts himself we tell the other parent if they're in trouble say you tell the other parent if they've picked up a new hobby and they're doing really well at it you tell the other parent and it also goes for those really uncomfortable chats too like if you're introducing a new partner to the kids because it's really important to keep that co-parent in the loop not because you need to be asking their permission but as a courtesy and i know i like that courtesy extended to me so why wouldn't i do the same thing back to my co-parent when i think of it in my past when communication has broken down that's when our co-parenting dynamic has broken down too and it's the kids that suffer the most um so that's a really good thing to keep in mind Thirdly, it's not about you, it's about the kids. And one more time for the people at the back, it is not about you. It's about what's best for the kids because ultimately it's about what's going to be best for them for their future and their development. One example I can give you is that there's been times when there's been, say, a really fun party that falls on my son's dad's weekend I chat about it with him and we work out a way for our son to attend even though it's his time with his son because although he's disappointed at maybe missing those couple of hours we realize he realizes that it's not about him and vice versa I realize it's not about me it's about what's best for our son and what he would enjoy the most that happened the other week there was a party that my son would have wanted to go to with his dad and instead I you know, I let them go for a couple of hours to that party. Why would my I want my son to miss out just because I want some kind of power play over his dad or I want to punish him? All that does is punish my son. So always remember it is not about you, it is about the kids. Next point, it is normal to disagree but what's important is the time it takes to talk it out and move past that. Co-parenting for me has been really unique in the sense that we have blown up over disagreements and there was a lot of pain uh, in our story and the reason that we're not together anymore. But I knew very early on that despite all of that, despite the disagreements or the fights we may have or the pain that has been caused, we are constant in one another's lives, whether, whether I liked it or not. So for me and for my mental health, I knew I had to work through every issue no matter how heated it got for the sake of, again, not only my mental health and not only my ex's mental health health, but for our child as well. And it also is really important to show our children, to model for them that disagreements are normal and they happen but what's important is how we handle them and how we work through them as well. So, you know, you're not going to get through it with, agreeing on every single point or uh, being totally okay with everything that's happened. There's always going to be situations that arise, but the most important thing is that you know that's going to happen from time to time and you know how to talk it out as well. Co-parenting is so unique for me in the sense as well that I am not a confrontational person. I don't argue or fight with anyone in my life, but co-parenting has taught me to stand up for myself and it has taught me to have a voice and to just talk things out that doesn't mean fighting and yelling and screaming it means that i can say hey when this happened it made me feel like this and i just wanted to let you know and that's how our conversations happen now and we'll just say hey this made me feel like this maybe next time we can do it like that and it usually ends with one of us saying thank you for being honest thank you for telling me how you feel i've taken that on board and i'll do that next time and that is miles away from what it used to be like, but it is proof that it can that it is possible to be able to talk through things without hating each other or, or making it really toxic. Point five: be flexible. So whenever um my son's dad has to say drop him back half an hour earlier, I think awesome. That's an extra half an hour I have with my son that I wasn't going to have otherwise. I hear so many examples of this this real rigidness when it comes to set days, which does have its place for a sense of stability and routine for the children and each parent to ignore uh, to organize their lives but this flat out refusal or bend to compromise I really don't understand because I'm not sure what that really achieves and I'm not really sure what point you're trying to trying to drive home is it a sense of control or, power, or is it a power play I I I think it's a power play. But the thing is that sometimes life does get in the way and that's fine because there's been weekends that have been my weekend and I've had things that I just have to go to. Say I had a wedding and a close friend's birthday dinner one weekend so he spent two weekends in a row with his dad and then I had him the following two weekends and it was fine and there was no fuss and I got to do what I needed to do and only just had extra time with his dad and the world didn't cave in and we were fine and that's happened a couple of times too where my ex has had to go away or he's had things that are on and we've just worked around that obviously if that's happening all the time if plans are always being cancelled that's when it's going to turn into an issue but if it's every now and then you've got something on that you don't want to miss why not just be a bit flexible it's not going to hurt anyone and I think you know it just shows our kids as well that we can work together to find a solution the next point is spend time together as a family and I know this isn't possible for every co-parenting dynamic I totally get that but my point is if it is possible why not choose it what you, what the the things that we do or don't do in the behaviors we model, set the example and will all influence who our child will grow up to be and what they'll remember when they reflect on their childhood. And for me, I want my son to remember his parents getting on really well. His parents hanging out with him for the sake of him. His parents, we've even gone on holidays together. We've gone, we take him to the show. We do activities with him so he can remember his family being together. Sometimes his dad will even come around and we'll all go for a big walk. It's not because I want to be hanging out with his dad or he particularly wants to be hanging out with me, but we want to be hanging out as a family to give our son those memories. And again, I know that's not always possible, but but if it is, why not choose it? I want him to be able to look it back at these photos and see us all together and just have these memories of us all hanging out, whereas the, you know, I... I dread to think that he could look back and see mum and dad standing on opposite sides of the soccer pitch, or remembering custody disputes in court, or that nause or him getting that nauseous feeling that I spoke about earlier when it was time for handover. Instead, we spend Christmas mornings unwrapping presents all together, and we usually then spend Christmas morning together. Um, and that's what I that's what I want him to remember he also sees his dad calling me or me calling him his dad to discuss our son and we usually end up just exchanging hilarious cute stories about Ollie and he hears that that's what he hears that's what he's going to know that we chat and laugh because our love for him is greater than anything else so you know there might be pain your child might remember what happened if they're a bit older but The important thing is that they know that despite that, you both dug deep and got on with it because you loved your your child more than you cared about hating one another too. It's also really, really important for me to be setting an example for my son through my relationship with his dad of a respectful, healthy relationship between a man and a woman. Because I want him to, yeah, I want I want both of us to role model that behaviour, so that when one day when he has friend, it has girl friends or girlfriends or gets married, um, to a man who a woman, whoever he chooses, he knows how to. He had an example of how to, uh, how to be in a healthy relationship and how to respect the other person. It's that's just paramount for me. Point seven, don't talk badly about the other parent in front of the children. And I get it. I get that your ex might be annoying or they've made you angry or they've hurt you or they've let you down. And trust me, I get that more than anyone. And I could have let that turn me into a bitter, twi- twisted person. But in ultimately, at the end of the day, who would have lost in the end if I chose that path? And my son would have lost. Your relationship with your ex is separate from to your child's relationship with the other parent. You don't have really have any right to influence that just because you might like them. And if you need to vent, if you've got stuff that you wanna say about your ex, that is totally fine, but why not say that to your mom or your friends or psychologists? Say it to anyone else but your kids. Which brings me to my next point and flows in quite nicely never use your kids as a pawn and nothing makes my blood boil more than this point using your kids to get back at your ex only victimizes your child and is extremely damaging for their mental health and development i am not a psychologist i'm not a therapist but goes without saying it's pretty self-explanatory that using a child like that is going to be really damaging for their health It doesn't matter how bitter it gets, just leave the kids out of it because they didn't choose to be born. They didn't choose to go through a relationship breakdown. Model the behavior you'd like them to inherit because one day they will grow up. They'll remember, they'll they'll realize that they'll use and they'll realize how they'll use. And for me, I don't ever want my son to think I put him in a position just for the sake of winning or hurting another person. Point nine, create one set of rules that go between both houses to maintain a sense of stability. We're really collaborative when it comes to Ollie's bedtime routine, the food he likes to eat, the activities he likes to attend, and we pass on things we notice that we might that might assist Ollie's time with the other parent to make their time smoother. Because well, because why not? Why wouldn't I want Ollie to eat his favorite foods or go to bed at the time I know will give him the most energy for the following day? And I want that information back too from his dad to know that how I can improve my time with Ollie, what worked at their house or what didn't as well. I want him to feel like even though he lives across two houses, it still feels the same. He still feels just as safe and just as loved and just as wanted and all of his needs are met no matter where he is. Number 10, finally approach every decision with love. And I know, I know you might be rolling your eyes and thinking that sounds very hippie, make love, not war vibe. But when you consider every decision we make is rooted in either love or fear, start getting curious as to why you're responding or reacting the way you are. Is it because you're fearful of losing control or you're fearful of being driven Uh, or because you're being driven by anger or resentment or you're fearing that you're being forgotten by your ex or you're feeling rejected, ask yourself every time you make a decision to do with co-parenting, what would love do? And for me, love would make sure my decisions give my son the best opportunity to, to thrive and to feel safe and loved and to equip him with the tools to enable him to become a strong, compassionate, thoughtful man. I do want to end by saying I know... Everything I said then isn't possible for everyone. There are always so many variables and sometimes it actually isn't safe to have an ex in yours or your child's life. So take from what I just said, what applies to your life. These commandments apply to situations where you can choose to get on with your co-parent or you can choose to collaborate and forge ahead with some kind of a relationship, friendship for the sake of your child. Because... I like to think of it, and psychologists have backed this up too when I've seen them, is that my ex is my life partner. That doesn't mean that we're in a romantic relationship, but we're life partners for the sake of our child. With that in mind, I wanted to make sure that I was forging ahead with The healthiest relationship for all three of us. What is going to be best for our son is best for the both of us as well. So, when you think of them as a life partner, it really does change that dynamic. How do you want to live with someone for the rest of your life? Do you want to remain bitter and angry and have this really acrimonious dynamic between the two of you? Or do you want to, do you have a picture in your mind of you two eventually being able to get along? Whether that just means that you say hi. It doesn't mean that you have to hang out or it could just mean that you're both fine to attend the same sports matches or go to your child's sport uh, school presentation. If you can at least choose to be amicable, I'm not sure why you wouldn't. And I do want to add in this as well that this shit takes time. It takes a whole lot of forgiveness and letting go and setbacks and surrender and lessons and a whole lot of working out what works for your dynamic best if you're early on in this co-parent in your co-parenting journey and you've just listened to everything i've said and that feels really overwhelming and you can't see how you'll ever get to that point I felt like that once too. I'm not sure if that makes you feel better, but I did feel like that once too. But I promise that even if it feels impossible now, if you're both willing to put in the effort and compromise and sacrifice and work together, it is possible to get to a place one day you're really proud of, no matter what that looks like for your co-parenting dynamic. That might not be hanging out. That might just being able to be amicable when you do the handover. You've got to do what works for you, Because ultimately, that's going to be best for your children. And to me, that's just a no-brainer. I hope this helped. I'm always around to chat co-parenting. If you want to send me a message on Instagram, you can find me at Elizabeth Neal. Thank you so much for listening once again to this edition of the Midweek Squeeze. I'll be back in Europhones on Monday with part two of Erica Kramer's epic, epic story. I just... As you, if you listen to part one, and if you haven't, go listen right now. Um, she's just an epic human being, and what she's endured, and how she's turned those lemons into lemonade, is so inspiring. And I can't wait to drop episode uh, part two because I think you're really going to like it. Lastly, if you've been enjoying this content, as always, I'm so appreciative if you can take the time to write a review leave uh, hit five stars or clip subscribe that helps the podcast grow which helps other people find it who might really need it oh and also i'm speaking an event in melbourne on march 14 i'll put the details of the event in the show notes i'd love for you to come along and say hey thank you once again guys enjoy your weekend and i'll chat to you soon bye